More Than Sex, the podcast in which Johan Arnes MD explores with you lifestyle and sexuality. What will you hear in this episode called Heartbreaking Erection? What is erectile dysfunction and why and how we should tackle it? Talking about erection is the same challenge for the patient as it is for the health professional. Gay or hetero, there is a difference between your erection problems. Is medication the only solution for the erectile dysfunction? I'm Johan Harness, medical doctor and clinical sexologist from Brussels, Belgium. I welcome you to my new podcast series, More Than Sex, which will be with you bimonthly. We will travel every time in the world of sexuality, but not only from the pleasure perspective, but we will also look at how lifestyle habits influence health and sexual health in particular. Switzerland. I am at the European Lifestyle Medicine Congress. My presentation is about erectile dysfunction or impotence, how it was called in past. Not an easy topic. A few weeks ago, I was refused to attend a local conference when I intended to talk about the importance of lifestyle to sexual health. Yes, it is still taboo to talk about sex in some medical conferences. But now I look at the gender mixed audience and I ask, Who has experienced an erection problem at least once? Please raise your hand and I'm waiting. I was the first to raise my hand. And after a few seconds, more and more hands were raised. Men, but also women. It was a special connection with the audience, as we experienced the same situation at least once, a situation that causes personal or couple frustration, or even sufferance. In fact, that is the difference with a sexual dysfunction. It has to cause sufferance to the person before being brought in the consultation. Even with this, only 30% of people feel comfortable to talk about it with their health professional. But before seeing why, maybe it is useful to see when do we really talk about an erectile dysfunction. If a man tells you that he had never experienced an erection problem, he is lying. We all experience it, it at least once in our life because of stress, anxiety, or as results of lifestyle factors. Failure to achieve an erection less than 20% of the time is not unusual. It becomes a problem if it's more than 50% of the time. It is generally called dysfunction if you suffer, as I mentioned, because you can't achieve or to maintain an erection long enough to engage in a sexual intercourse and that recurrently for at least six months continuously. Uh, how many men actually are affected of this? It depends on your age. If you are in your 20s, intensive porn watching can cause erection issues to almost 20% of youth. 
later with age. The percentage increases with 10% by age decade, up to 70% when you are over 70 years old. The causes are less psychological later, but more related to your body condition and lifestyle factors. Depression, stress, relationship problems are just a few of the psychological causes. Physical causes are more and involve alcoholism, diabetes, treatment for prostate cancer, metabolic syndrome, or medication, watch the beta blockers, for example, certain beta blockers, and especially heart diseases, because we know today that erectile dysfunction can be an early sign of a latent cardiovascular condition. Everything looks simple, but how and to whom should we talk about it? Most of the primary care medical professionals are a bit lost because they have almost no idea how to start a conversation about sex. I usually ask, look, your medical condition could influence your sexuality, more specifically your erection. Is everything okay or could it be better? Do you have some questions related to this? If you don't feel comfortable to ask even this, you have the possibility to use the questionnaire called International Index of Erectile Function, IIEF 15, with 15 questions or the shorter version, IIEF 5. The questionnaire is a validated multidimensional self-administrative investigation that examines the four main domains of male sexual function, erectile function, orgasmic function, sexual desire, and intercourse satisfaction. It is important to mention the IIF assessment is more an adjunct to rather than a substitute for a more detailed sexual history or eventually examination. No! The official treatment guideline of erectile dysfunction doesn't recommend medication as a first line of intervention for erectile dysfunction. But often this is happening because of the knowledge of medical professionals and at the demand of the patient. From my experience, when I had couples coming in consultation, in half of the cases, the wife or girlfriend is opposed to medication because she thinks her male partner will become an erect, mobile penis. My explication is that if for a woman the breast is mostly a sign of femininity, for a man it's heartbreaking not to have an erection, as his self-confidence as a man is really affected. As a woman, you need a bra to support your breast. A man taking medication will not have immediately an erection if the desire is not there. Improving lifestyle factors should be the first line of intervention, as we know that all that affects your heart affects the vessels as well, in particular the fine vascularization of the penis. According to many studies, poor sleep or regular snoring, overweight or obesity, poor diet or not enough physical activity are causes which we can change with lifestyle intervention, such Mediterranean diet or four times 40 minutes per week of cardiophysical activity during at least six months, and quality sleep are just few of the solutions. Please always consult your health professional before starting any kind of treatment to see if that is good for you. More than sex or more sex? 
More sex does not necessarily mean more penetration, which in past was equivalent with manhood. Intimacy, exploring fantasies, reciprocal massage, quality time together, and diversity are ways to explore what sexual pleasure means for everybody. You can't ask for pleasure if you don't know your own body's erogenous zones or what gives you pleasure. Masturbation is a way to find out this, but also to communicate to the other what gives you pleasure when you feel one with your partner. Meanwhile, today, sexual pleasure experience is a transcending genders. Is transcending genders. We have more and more what we call gender fluidity. Today you enjoy an opposite sex partner, but maybe tomorrow it can be a same sex partner. Relatively little work has been conducted on erectile dysfunction among men, uh, gay men. Not surprising, since until the 1980s, behavior treatments to change their sexual orientation to heterosexual using aversion therapy was very popular. And because the sexual dysfunction treatment literature was focused on vaginal intercourse, which gay men, of course, don't practice. It is recommended today for the therapist to be familiar with gay male sexuality. This differs from the heterosexual majority. How? It may be useful uh, to ask a gay male patient with erectile dysfunction about his preference in anal sex. This is because many gay men use sexual self-labels such as top-bottom, that is, to be the receptive partner in anal sex, of versatile, as someone who enjoys both insertive and receptive sex roles in anal sex, or with none of these labels. Asking a gay male patient if he avoids topping because of erectile dysfunction or not can be useful to detect the sexual dysfunction. In a study of Rosser, gay men reported in higher percentage having difficulties achieving an erection than heterosexual men. High levels of anxiety, internalized homophobia, or fears of being judged because of their erectile dysfunction by other gay men are important causes of sexual dysfunction here. Cognitive behavior therapy is useful because often irrational cognitions about sexual performance must be reevaluated and changed. According to the treatment proposed by Vincent Carey, the invitation for the patients to recall past thoughts that occur during sexual satisfying experiences is important. The next step after the positive thoughts is to progress to sensate focus, which helps maintain these positive images about sex and hence not thinking only about the erection. For transgender men, in a recent, a recent study performed by Kerkhoff in the European Network for the Investigation of Gender Incongruence, NEG, project, finding and initiating sexual contact with a partner is one of the most common sexual difficulties especially because often they experience a too strong sexual desire. The authors recommended counseling for transgender patients after the specific trans treatment, lifestyle factors playing an important role because their interference with sexual health. In the ancient times of Greeks and Romans, Penetration proved manhood, and it mattered little whether the penetrated person was a woman or a man. Later, Christians could neither 
Christians could neither laud potency nor regard impotency as a joke, as Romans did earlier. But when the power of church declined with regards to the procreating role of man, erection problems again became a source of humiliating jokes until the importance of female sexuality was affirmed and it could play a role in the cause of impotence. Even with this, the 19th century culture focused on the role of the active male and the passive female. So erectile dysfunction could not be ignored anymore if it affected the male role. So-called therapies about spermatic economy in which excesses led to loss of manly vigor and even bankruptcy, or the avoidance of masturbation of prostitutes or the Freudian theory of Oedipal guilt were very popular at that time. You can read more about this in Angus McLaren's book, Impotence, a Cultural History. In an interesting article titled Erectile Dysfunction and the Post-War Novel, The Sun Also Rises and in the County, Elizabeth Clever, uh, Clever starts her analysis with a quote from Ron Covitt's memoir, Born on the 4th of July, in which he says how he gave his masculinity for democracy. The soldier, the literature of wars, aftermath, is very often about the dysfunctional soldier, often sexual dysfunctional soldier, coming home. Elizabeth Clever analyzes the book written by Ernest Hemingway, The Sun Also Rises, with Jake Barnes coming home from war with a mutilated penis, and the book by Bobby and Mason in County, in which Tom is back from Vietnam War related psychological problems that affects his erection. These two novels appeared at a considerable time span from each other in 1926, respectively 1985. So one after the Great War and the another after the Vietnam War. Both authors reflect and contest their contemporaneous medical discourse about erectile dysfunction. It is an interesting and useful reading to ask whether erectile dysfunction should be considered actually as a disability. It is maybe about how erection can define a life of a man and whether the medicalized approach in erectile dysfunction should not be replaced with a more human view on age, sexuality and intimacy. Special thanks for this episode to the contribution of Mohammad Awada, Sophie, and music from Freesound and Pixabay. It's time to say goodbye. Until next time, be sexy, stay healthy, and hone your lifestyle.